was a need for this. Um, Harry came up with the, the name Harry uh, Marijuana Addicts Anonymous, and we stuck with it. And that's who we were from 87 to 89. I did a lot of typing. I did, uh, what did I do? I, we, we sat and we, we, we wrote steps, we wrote literature. Um, sometimes we borrowed from other, other fellowships. Um, I, I really wanted, when we, uh, when we're writing up, uh, our, our first, uh, the readings that we'd read at the beginning of the meeting, I wanted to make an emphasis that, that even though our singleness of purpose was, was towards marijuana, that ours is a progressive illness, often leading us to other drugs, including alcohol. And I really wanted people to hear that because I didn't want people thinking, oh, you just smoke dope. That's okay. I can shoot heroin, right? And I just, I really did not want people going there and thinking that's what we were about. It's like, you know, I'm clean and sober and, and all of us who started in, in this fellowship took our sobriety seriously. Um, so we had a meeting in Oakland and we had a meeting then in Berkeley, and we had another meeting in Oakland, uh, when Monday nights at uh, the Oakland Public Library, and Wednesday nights at the Berkeley uh, affiliate of uh, Mandana House in Oakland. And then a meeting started in San Francisco, and, uh, and, it, and it, it's grown from there organically, because there were people who were willing to step in and do service and, and, and do whatever they can to to start meetings. And then there were bunches of us who, you know, would go to meetings and support the other, the smaller meetings. And that was basically what Marijuana Addicts Anonymous was. And that, and my part in it was I, I, I went to meetings and I raised my hand and I talked and I, I did some service. And, um, and it was an exciting time to kind of be at the beginning of it. Cause I could tell it was the beginning of something. Um, and there's also going to be a practice in humility for myself so that I, uh, you know, that I, I don't get a line from one of my favorite places. I don't get delusions of grandeur either. Um, and um, I just, I just think it's an absolute miracle that uh, we've been, we've been going on one day at a time like this. You'll hear the story of how we, how all of us potheads from other places in the country who had started on our own, completely organically on our own, uh, met each other and found ways to, uh, to unify. Um, I come from political circles in, in Berkeley where we tend to split off from one another over the most pettiest of differences. And for anything, any group of human beings to get together and find what keeps them um, united keeping them united for so, so long. And uh, I think it's an absolute miracle. Um, it, you know, and I appreciate what the old timers told me when I was early on in recovery. It's just one day at a time and that's what it's been for me. Um, and I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to hear what everybody else has to say. I, I did not, uh, the, you'll hear about the, the, the convention in Morro Bay where the Northern California and Southern California met uh, I was not part of that meeting, but I was very excited about that meeting and, uh, and, and did a little service behind the scenes for that uh, up at Berkeley. But um, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad to be amongst friends and uh, each, each and every one of us for a miracle. Thank you, everybody. The next person we have up is Harry. Welcome and thank you for sharing. Thank you. My name is Harry and I'm a marijuana addict. I'm very emotional. I I want to I want to start crying, but I'm not going to uh, yet. Probably after the meeting, um, I was the person that um, Kevin mentioned who went to that NA meeting and got that support from Kevin and John. I had been in AA for a few months because I fit there, but I'd used marijuana for eight years to stop drinking until it turned on me and didn't work anymore. All the effects that it was supposed to have became reversed for me. I lost my career, I lost my relationship, I lost the ability to work and I lost my mind. And by the time I figured out that if I took another hit of marijuana, I'd never have another sober breath again, um, 
I saw that I really needed the help and, and embraced the 12-step programs. Uh, it was a couple months after that that I just wasn't getting the support I needed. You know, I know now that my cravings for marijuana use were so extreme that I needed help from other marijuana addicts to be able to stay in recovery. And that's what John and Kevin provided. We jumped right in. Some people thought we were a little, a little radical, but um, from the very beginning, I did some counting and realized there were probably as many marijuana addicts in the world as there are alcoholics. And I knew our fellowship needed to be national and international as soon as possible. So I set out as a special part of my service to sort of design MAAs in such a way that it would be able to embrace a worldwide effort if it ever came to fruition. And um, so I didn't go to Morro Bay with, with everyone. Um, well, I should back up. The very first meeting was in my apartment. It was by invitation only because we didn't have a fellowship. It was very well attended and the people there were very supportive of us launching the program. As Kevin said, we jumped right in and, and the first night John and Kevin and I met, we, we wrote the 12 questions. We wrote who was the marijuana addict. Uh, the questions have been changed through the years, but who was the marijuana addict is still the same as, as it was from, uh, is it is, is still the same now as it was then. We, we had our meetings. We kept looking for other people that were doing the, the recovery from marijuana anonymous or from marijuana addiction. I don't know how, I don't know how we all hooked up together. I don't know who did the work, but of course there was no internet to search at the time. So it had to be um, by people looking in, in their local phone directory to see if they could find something for marijuana addicts. I continued for the first eight years of my recovery to do service in Marijuana Anonymous. I served as a trustee. I went to the convention numerous times and perhaps proudest of all for me, was I got to help with the first edition of Life with Hope. So I've been clean and sober now for 33 years and a few months, and I do it one day at a time tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Harry. That was great. Um, let's go to uh, our next person, John L. from District 2. I wanted to say I'm from District 2. That's where I started in recovery, was in the San Francisco Bay Area. You know, I have sort of an odd story about my recovery. Uh, I started going to meetings in 1979, but I wasn't able to get continuous sobriety until December 15th, 1984. And I'll tell you my sort of winding tale very briefly because we don't have much time. I started off going to Al-Anon because my wife was a serious alcoholic, also had mental health issues. And it was really hell on wheels for me to live with her. And so people told me to go to Al-Anon. So I started going to Al-Anon and I got a sponsor and work the steps. And by the time I got to a four step, it became very clear to me I was in the wrong program. I mean, it was a good program for me living with an alcoholic, but I needed to go to AA and NA because I'm also an addict and an alcoholic. So, you know, that's how I got into recovery was that. And the, what really clicked for me was I heard people share stories that were worse than mine and they were able to stay clean and sober. And it gave me the hope that if I did the same thing, I could be successful. And to a large degree, I was. I relapsed off and on multiple times, but eventually convinced myself that I was an addict and I can't use even a little bit of anything, you know. My last use was not marijuana, it was actually alcohol. So as far as my recovery in MA, that's a long story too. I'll try to be real quick about that too. I was, uh, after I got clean and sober, I realized that I didn't wanna work as a machinist anymore. So I changed careers to being a therapist. and. In order to do that, I had to go to graduate school. And one of the classes I was taking in graduate school, it was a really great teacher. And we had these good discussions in the, in the group, in the class. And somebody brought up the idea of having a group for marijuana addicts. And there's about four of us in there that were potheads. And we decided we were gonna form a group. However, all of us were working and going to school and it never got off the ground. So 
that was it for that, except for like uh, Kevin and Harry shared, you know, there was a NA meeting that Kevin was secretary at and Harry spoke, said that he was going crazy and needed support. So when we were all talking, I broached the subject of, hey, why don't we do something for marijuana addicts? And initially we thought we could do it in NA, but NA told us to go take a hike. You know, they didn't want anything to do with us. So we had to do it all on our own. And Brad, if you can pull up the letter from AA, uh, we had to write AA and get permission. And this is not the permission to get the steps and traditions, but it does mention that we did write and do that. So we had to correspond with them and get the steps and their traditions. And then, you know, we went along trying to find other groups of marijuana addicts and we heard rumors of them, but we never actually got there. We decided to write a letter once we found out about the other groups. And the way we found about them was, for me, was that was people would show up in our meetings saying, hey, there's groups in LA. You know, people that were traveling around and they were dropping in on our meetings. That's how we found out. And so we sent off a letter. It was really interesting, you know, to send off a letter. And we actually, everybody thought it was a great idea. And so we decided to meet in Morro Bay because Morro Bay was sort of the place halfway in between the north and the south. And it's a beautiful location. And so I want to say that, you know, there were several of us. I'm not sure if some of you in your uh, group meetings, you know, you vote for delegates. And by the time the actual conference has, you don't have the originals, you got alternates going. Well, we had, uh, I was the only original and we had three other alternates go down there, Mariska, Lynn, and a guy named Josh. And so we drove down there and, you know, even though it says in the history that we didn't really like each other or didn't trust each other or something, I thought we hit it off pretty good because we were all potheads and we were just so glad to see other potheads and I think everybody loved the idea of getting together. Of course, the fine print is like, whose steps are we gonna use and all that, you know, because all of us independently came up with the literature. Some of us were mainly NAA, like uh, MAA in the Bay Area. And so we had who's a marijuana addict, although we later had to do uh, the how it works that a lot of you will read the MA version of that. We had to write that for the AA people that started showing up. So anyway, it was it was really awesome going to Morro Bay and being with everybody. And, you know, the idea that we could actually join forces and it would be a awesome thing, you know, to have, like Harry said, you know, an organization where you know, we could reach potheads all over the world. So agreeing to unify and carry the message was what we decided then, the actual details of how we're gonna actually do it was hashed out in Orange County at the next conference. So, you know, for me, I have to say that, you know, for being part of MA getting started and uh, MAA getting started in the Bay Area and then MA getting started, two of the most important things in my life to be able to be part of he helping that happen. You know, it made me feel like I really was doing something valuable in the world because when I agreed to start MA with those people in the class and then it didn't happen, I felt like I'd let my higher power down. And so being able to run into Harry and Kevin who were like-minded and there were some other people I wanna throw out their names, Lynette, Nancy and Crazy Dave. They were also some interesting characters that uh, helped us in the process in the early days. So, you know, for me, it's just totally awesome to have been part of that because we were so close because there were so few of us and we all became really tight with each other. And every time I go to a meeting and I see somebody who's a newcomer and I see them find us and find the support and the love you can get here in MA, it just really warms my heart. And then I was hearing Becky G share last night, you know, and it was just totally awesome to see somebody come in that was really struggling and now they're a superstar, they're doing awesome, you know, so just to watch the growth and everybody that's come in and, and been able to benefit from the program is totally awesome. And also on a selfish note, I have to say that I benefit from the program because one of my issues was, you know, I used to think, well, I'm not that bad because I didn't murder anybody and end up in prison, you know, so, and not have to worry about that to be just one of everybody here and thank you for letting me share. 
you know, I'm Mariska and I'm a recovering marijuana addict and known as Mary P on the founding papers. So, you know, here's what happened. I was raised in Berkeley, of course, the turbulent 60s. We all know that, the psychedelic era. Turn on, tune in, drop out, right? Who doesn't know Timothy Leary? Where pot was everywhere and everyone around me smoked. By the time I was in junior high, I was smoking daily with my friends. By high school, I was selling joints in the schoolyard behind the school and started experimenting with psychedelics myself. I was stealing pot from friends and family, albeit by the time I was in junior college, I was a functional addict. I pulled straight A's. I took biology, chemistry, and physics all in the same order until it stopped working. Was I a marijuana addict? You bet I was. As many of you know, it was fun at first with munchies and giggles and good times or high times. And then it turned on me. I would smoke that, that joint every night to go to bed and I couldn't sleep. I would smoke to eat and I couldn't eat. Physiologically, my body started changing. The drug wasn't working anymore. By the time I hit UC Berkeley, I was smoking all the time and doing speed with my using buddies. I rationalized this, get this one. Um, when I was, if I, I had to smoke, if I studied high, then I had to attend class high and take exams high. That made sense to me. Of course, that didn't work. I started failing at college. I'm sure you get it. My life was unmanageable and I was certainly powerless over marijuana and other mind altering drugs. I did not like alcohol because it made me sick and do crazy things. So I just smoked more pot. I began to struggle in school. And during the summer of 1987, my brother told me that I looked like shit and it was because I was smoking dope all the time. And he was, you know, 11 years younger than me. Uh, shortly after that, my uncle John took me to my first AA meeting at Mandana House in Oakland, California, the United States. And they were talking about God, and I could not wait to get out of there. I was antsy and wanted to get the hell out. And then a few days later, or shortly after that, my dealer showed up at my door with his wife. She was dragging him to treatment, and he sold me his last eighth. Now, it was the 80s, and back then it was a sober thing to do. He was going into a spin dry. Meanwhile, after flunking out of biochemistry twice, I had to go back to college and do it right. Instead, I was, failing, I was failing in the first week. I was hitting bottom. Binge smoking, drinking, and again, stealing my roommate's cocaine and beers. Here I was, flunking out of college, the first time in my family to attend. I dropped out and went to my first NA meet. That was on September 28, 1987. I smoked my last joint. It was, the meeting was big and loud. I couldn't handle it. I went home and on the 29th, I drank half a beer and poured the rest out. Then my dealer showed up, we graduated and he took me to my first MAA meeting and I was home for the first time in my life. That meeting was a very small group of men. You just heard from the three of them. They were in that room along with uh, Sybil. Uh, some of you may know her as Susan in Portland. I was 97 pounds, visibly, visibly shaken, and was told that my skin was green. I was also just told to shut up and listen. I had nowhere else to go. I had exhausted all options and was depleted and scared. I lost family members to drug addiction and I knew where I was headed. Within six months, I was secretary of that first Berkeley group. Got an NA sponsor, worked the steps. I went to see the dean of my department with a letter from my sponsor. And he said, quote unquote, you don't want this in, in your record. Good luck with your recovery. Our meetings were growing and I began starting a lot of other meetings with other members all over the Bay Area. After all, all you needed was a resentment and a coffee pot. In time, I was a GSR attending our monthly business meeting. At this time, there was a discussion in our MAA group about expanding the program. One member, had gone down to Southern California and met somebody. And so we started communicating. So we knew there were other groups. Keep in mind, we were using landlines and snail mail and phone books. <laughs> Simply doing, I had to do whatever I had to do. And that's why I did what you told me, which was to get into service because I needed to stay clean and I needed to be enveloped with the group. I worked the program and did service like I did my drugs. 
What I recall about the Monday night business meeting at the church in Oakland, they were voting on who was going to go to Morro Bay. And I walked out, I had to be, I had to go somewhere and I said, I'm not going, don't vote again. <laughs> the next thing I know, I'm in a car with those people driving down the Central Valley of Oregon and we're eating and laughing and joking, surrounded by fields of artichokes and wafting garlic. Uh, there was a lot of angst in the car, what was going to happen? Who was gonna be there, friend or foe? What were we going to do? What was, where were we going with this? We arrived, got in our motel rooms, set up with the other addicts from MSA, a city with appeal, Orange County and MA from Southern California at the beach. We had not planned for a place to meet, so Mike offered us his large suite. And we all, you know, in this suite, we were like enemy camps. MAA was on the bed, MSA was in chairs with them turned around ready for battle, and MA was on the, around the table. And you could visibly feel the attention in the room, you could cut it with a knife. In time, we went through discussions and negotiations, and it became clear that this was a divine appointment and we were here to unify and have a program for the marijuana addict who wasn't born yet, Carol McDonald, and for me, so none of you had to suffer like I did and you'd have a home to come to. We opted to go with MA because they had already started the Articles of Incorporation in Los Angeles and the paperwork had been, had been begun. The testament to the 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and addicts and practice these principles in all our affairs. It was apparent that this thing was much bigger than we were in that little hotel room in Morro Bay. What was going on? Finally, a decision was made and we decided to unify. We have, you know, and we have a talented group of people. We have lawyers and we have um, editors and we have accountants and these people all volunteered and we worked together and we, we spent time in hotel uh, in families' homes and we did what we had to do to get this thing done. We set a date for the first unity conference in Orange County and the rest is history. We exchanged phone numbers, hugged and went home with the news to our respective groups. This had been no easy feat, but was well worth it and we were excited prepared for the next meeting and, and, you know, I was scared, but motivated and ready and certainly more would be revealed. By then doing service for MA and my recovery, I had no idea that we would be here today with 182 people on Zoom and have worldwide marijuana anonymous and that it took a pandemic to get us here and nobody else has to suffer like I did. I want to thank you, and I have to tell you, my 10-minute chip that McCarroll McDonald gave me is my favorite chip. The first chips we made in MAA were poker chips, and a member drilled holes in them and put a chain on them and took nail polish and wrote down things on them. And uh, this is cinnamon. I was afraid to fly. A fellow from San Jose gave me cinnamon to go down to the first conference in Orange County, so I didn't have to be alone on the airplane. Bless you all. It was Kathy C back then that I got married. So I went up from a C to a B. Uh, that, you know, just maybe a minute on how I ended up in, in Marijuana Anonymous. I got sober in 1983. I was 23. And I was clearly in the throes of alcoholism. I um, had already been in jail for DUI, which back then we called them 502s for you old timers who might remember that. Um, I had been in a serious cliff accident where I fell off a cliff and was hospitalized for 10 days. A lot of serious, serious shit for a 23-year-old. And I clearly knew, I clearly knew to the depth of my being that alcohol was going to kill me. I, no question. And, um, you know, we had been smoking pot throughout high school and, and I loved pot. And for me, I just kind of settled into it. I thought this is really the safer drug for me. So, um, you know, I went to AA, I got sober in AA. It was a, it was a traumatic getting sober, that, no time for that. But I, so I was going to AA and my best friend had a husband who was uh, a serious addict. And she said, you know, he's got to go to some meetings and but pot's his problem. And I said, you know what, let me do some research. Maybe there's something for, for marijuana. And, but meanwhile, I'd been in AA for quite a few years, uh, three or four years. And so I found Marijuana Anonymous, and it was a meeting. It was called the French Quarters. It was in Woodland Hills in uh, the San Fernando Valley outside of Los Angeles. And um, 
I went there and I met Carol, Carol M there. Uh, for those of you who didn't know Carol, she was an amazing woman. Uh, truly, uh, where we are today is really a big tribute to what Carol did. Carol's since passed on, but I, um, I met her there. And I don't even know how we decided the three that would go to Morro Bay. But so I started going there and realized I was, this was it. I was like, you know, I always say I, I was in the house of recovery, but when I found MA, I was in the right room. I felt like I was finally in the right room. And so I, I got into service and um, was, was one of the ones that went to Morro Bay. And I can't even tell you how we selected the three, but it was myself, Carol, and this guy named Ken. And I, you know, it's funny, Mariska, I remember it. I remember it that we, so we had four from um, MAA up north. We had three from, from the Valley. In, and then we had um, three from MSA. So there was a total of 10 of us. And I felt like we were guarded, truly guarded, but we were open. And we had, I believe we, we wanted the same thing, but we all were kind of unwilling to, or we were willing, but we were very leery of how much are we gonna have to change? And we were very fortunate because of Carol, she had already done the incorporation paperwork or at Marijuana Anonymous to become incorporated. We, we since had to file again um, after that for legal reasons, but we had the name and um, we also had a bank account that we had just opened in February, a few months prior. This was in June uh, that we went to Morro Bay. And Mike, Mike was uh, kind of a successful guy. And so he had the suite, you know, we were in a Motel 6, he had a suite. So we did our work in the suite and I truly believe, I, you know, I, like Mariska said, this was definitely, you know, divinely inspired. And I believe we were just the players. We just happened to be the people playing the part. I think I, I'm fortunate that I was there, but I, I don't feel like it was, oh God, you know, if it wasn't for us, when I think if, I think God wanted it to happen and we just happened to be the people at that time. And, you know, since that time, the beauty of, of Marijuana Anonymous is that um, I'll never forget this. And I have, I have to share this with you because it was one of the most profound things that's ever happened to me. And I, uh, it, I was the first office manager after the conference. And I remember sitting in my living room. Remember, this is, this is pre-pagers. Forget computers, forget cell phones, none of that. So everything was was typing on word processors, and um, I got a I got a, a letter from somebody, and it was it was from Australia. And I remember sitting on my living room floor. This is like it was yesterday, and this has happened about five times since that time. And now I know what it was, and and I call it a spiritual experience. But my entire body just waves waves of chills, and and to me, it's God's way of saying. This, I'm, uh, and this is because of me, uh, our higher power, whatever it is you want to call them, it was way bigger than me. And I realized that I was so lucky to be a part in the, in the grassroots of something that was going to change people's lives throughout the world. And even today, right now, I have the chills because it's still, you know, this stuff like this, it starts somehow. And if you, if you happen to be uh, you know, a part of it at that time, you realize that, you know, it was meant to be, and yet how fortunate to be able to be kind of an eyewitness to it. And I will never forget when I got that letter from across the world. And I thought, this is, this is it, man. We, it, I don't know how long it's going to take, but this isn't just going to die out. This is going to help people throughout the world. And, um, you know, for Marijuana Anonymous, the for the personal thing I do want to tell you is that uh, I will forever, forever think that, you know, it's not the old timers. It's the new people that come in. It's the new people that, you know, are, that are the lifeblood of this organization. You walk through that door of, of um, you know, fear and, oh my God, what could a sober be, life be like? And, oh my God, how can I do this? I can't go on and yet I, I can't imagine changing. You know, we all say you earn your seat, you know, in, in this, you earn your square in the Zoom now. You, you guys are the lifeblood of this organization. And I will never, ever change my feeling on that. It's not the old timers. Don't let that 
do anything to you other than we just were lucky and we're, you know, we started before you, that's it. But the new people, the lifeblood, that is what keeps this organization alive and sobriety, you know, being honest, I, I had a drink three years into sobriety and I never told anybody and I came clean about it. And I truly believe that had I not told George at that time that I drank and changed my sobriety date, I truly believe I'd be out. I, that secret would have brought me out. So no lies, I, you know, nobody care. I remember thinking, oh my God, the people at Bob, what are they gonna think? Well, and you know what, they don't care, nobody cares. Nobody care. To change it, it was no big deal. Um, so honesty, newcomers lifeblood, we're all here for a reason. You can change your life. Sobriety really is better, no matter what. Sometimes harder, but better. And I'm so glad you're here. And thank you for letting me share. So Theo, I'm gonna unmute you, welcome. There we go. Um, this is amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm from uh, District 4. Uh, we started out in Seattle, Washington. And to I just scrolled through all the faces and everything. And to know that we're global is just um, heart-wrenching at time and also just brings such amazing joy to me because it was this core group of people that believed, actually believed that marijuana is an addiction and it's really ruined our lives. And for me, I, um, I wasn't exposed to drugs in high school, definitely around alcohol and loved to consume it, but didn't like the effects and being hungover. So when I went away to college, um, I tried pot for the first time and that's all it took. I was hooked. I was laughing. Um, I had friends. I had a freedom. Because when I was growing up, I was, my mother was a very strict mother. My dad was a merchant marine, so he wasn't around as much. And uh, going away to college and experiencing pot was a freedom I never, never, ever experienced. And I wanted more and more and more. And so one of the things that I did is... Um, I didn't smoke at the time, and so I really wanted to hold the smoke in my lungs. So I practiced with little stogie-flavored cigars of how to hold the smoke in my lungs. So that's how hooked I was at the time. Uh, marijuana was definitely a gateway drug for me, and um, it was there with me the entire time. Um, because of marijuana, it led me into a drug world that um, took me down a deep, dark path dealing with people that um, mafia associated, biker clubs, um, you know, I was dealing, um, I don't know why I ever, never got caught uh, by the police or anyone, but the drug caught me. You know, I was hooked. It hooked me and it took my life away. And um, what got me into recovery was I remember um, I was working with a counselor. I was married at the time, working with the counselor because something was wrong with my life. And uh, I go there high all the time. Um, because I needed to drive quite a ways away and I always drove high because if I drove drunk, I wouldn't uh, be staying through the lines, you know, in between the lines and stuff. And with pot, I could drive really good, although I missed a lot of exits on the freeways I'm driving down the road. So definitely a bit spacey. But anyway, um, the counselor at the time, she suggested I go to an AA meeting. I walked into, uh, into one. Everybody was laughing, having a good old time. They were talking about God. And I'm like, this is, this is bogus. What's, what's there to laugh about? My life sucks. And I don't want anything about this God stuff. You know, I was an agnostic when I came into recovery. 
And um, eventually, a few years later, a really good friend of mine, partying buddy, uh, she just kind of got my face one day and said, you need to do something about your drugs. Uh, you're out of control. And if you don't, it's the end of our friendship. So I wound up putting myself in 28 days of treatment and I laughed at this. Um, I wanted to learn how to just use pot on weekends, you know, so that I could still enjoy life. Um, I didn't have any other problems, but treatment really opened my eyes and just saw, showed me how messed up my life was and how much other drugs really took hold of my life. Um, I got out of treatment and um, got in a very serious car accident and realized I had to move in with my baby sister, which was uh, humiliating because I was always taking care of her. And um, by doing that and having to recover from this car accident, following my counselor from treatments, uh, suggestions to go to women's meeting, get a woman sponsor. I got into AA and because that's all there was, there wasn't NA around. And that's where I learned what the 12 steps were. I learned how to sit and stay still and to just listen, not to get up and leave because, you know, um, I saw that other people's lives were a mess and I saw what they did to get into recovery and to stay in recovery. And so I followed directions and uh, I learned how to pick up the phone and use it. I learned how to keep going to meetings. I started doing service work and we had an Alano club in the Bellevue area. Thanks. Um, I saw a flyer, flyer on the bulletin board and it says, if you got a problem with marijuana, check us out, you know, here it is. I went to a meeting at Fremont Baptist Church in Seattle, one of the big old churches, found the meeting. There was just a small group of people sitting in chairs and in a dark room. And I listened, I was at home, absolutely at home. And from there, what was, the biggest gift is the church that Fremont Church was struggling in terms of their membership. And so they were so open to supporting us. They didn't take donations because they knew we didn't have money. And for me, that helped kind of open the door to realizing other people are okay if they're not high. Um, but we were just a small, small core group. And I don't really remember how we connected with the other meetings other than somebody said there was a call to us. So I became the first delegate and uh, we scraped our pennies together so I could fly down there. And one of the big reasons is we were nosy. What's this all about? And we needed some old timers. We, we needed other people that had some time so we could learn, you know, other 12 step groups had that. So I was delegate for um, a couple of times, was there in LA and in San Francisco, we stayed at people's homes, which was lovely. And I remember sitting in a big room about around a big table, a bunch of us, talking about the minutiae, the words in the steps. What, how are we going to use the God word? We were using AA 12 steps as our guide. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to word the steps so they fit MA? Um, this took a lot of discussions and being in a room with a lot of potheads, uh, sometimes it's hard to make a decision. So um, it felt like forever, but it was the beginning for me and for Seattle. And then I believe it was the third year we hosted the convention. And here again, the church, Fremont Baptist Church, they opened up the church. They let us have the space. We had people coming from all over the states. By then we were called, we were Marijuana Anonymous. We had our logo. We, I 
still have the first edition of um, our, our Life with Hope book. Um, you know, being a part of all of that is such a gift to me in my recovery. And um, service, me um, coming down there and down for, as a delegate. I'm grateful. I could go on and on and on. And I'm so grateful that spirit led me to MA, to that marijuana meeting. And then spirit led me as a delegate to all those other meetings in California, because that's how we got going in district four. So thank you everybody for being here. It's unbelievable. I'm George B. I'm, uh, I'm grateful and honored to be here. I got sober uh, February 6, 1988, 32 years ago. And um, I, I'm not gonna go into a big drug log because I got some stories I'd like to share about those early days. And um, the uh, first meeting I ever went to was a friend of mine who I had grown up with. Uh, we used together also. And one day he called me and said that he had decided to get sober. And my reaction, of course, was great because this guy's got a real problem. And then he asked me if I'd like to go to a meeting with him. And it was MSA down in Orange County. So I agreed to go with him. And, uh, and I thought, you know, we'll see how this goes. So it was at the Sister Elizabeth Recovery Center on a Monday night. And uh, we got there, we walked in. It was about 30 people in the room. MSA had been around. Uh, I believe right around two years at that time. And this was back, uh, they started in, in, MSA started in 86 and, uh, and I got sober in 88. And so uh, went to that meeting, really liked it, liked the people. And, um, and I've, I've never touched anything since that night. It was a really powerful meeting for me. And, and I met some people there uh, as and Mike LB, and um, and I and I attended that meeting. I lived all the way up in Glendale, and Orange County is in Southern California, and I lived uh, up in Lo near Los Angeles. So um, I, after a couple of months of attending that meeting, I you know I could tell my wife at that time, who was a normie, this wasn't really settling well with her. Me going to those meetings way out there. So I went to the meeting and I, and I had a conversation with Mike LB and I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to attend anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really like this marijuana smokers anonymous. And, uh, and, and he said, well, you got two months. Why don't you start a meeting? And, uh, and I, okay, how do I go about doing that? And so he told me what to look for, how to go about it. And I said, yeah, but where am I going to find addicts? Where am I going to find potheads to come to this meeting? And he said, we'll come. We'll come from Orange County to your meeting. And, uh, and so I found a place. I trolled some, we didn't call it trolling back then. I, I went to some AA meetings, found people that talked about marijuana, handed them a flyer, gave them a commitment at the meeting, made them treasure, GSR, whatever I could get them to lock in on. And, uh, and those guys in Orange County showed up. And, and so that one meeting in LA was the little standout meeting from all of Orange County. And so I was involved in, in the, the inner group back then. And you know, that was so long ago, we used to advertise non-smoking meetings. You know, people could smoke at meetings sometimes, some meetings, and uh, uh, so, that was before the uh, unity conference. And what a lot of people don't know is there was an attempt at unity before that unity conference between Los Angeles and Orange County. Uh, and uh, there was a man that started MA in LA. He was a therapist, a guy who ironically enough, his name was Dr. Bob. Uh, and he had taken some of his patients, put them together and handed him a big book and said, why don't you guys try to start a marijuana meeting? I'll help you and everything. And so the guys down in Orange County, uh, right about the time I got there, I believe, they 
at some point they connected up with this guy and, and there was going to be this meeting to unify those two groups. This was before we knew about uh, the Bay Area. And, uh, and so some guys came from Orange County, some people went up there to meet. And this Dr. Bob showed up with his attorney. And the guys from Orange County walked out of the meeting and said, we're not having anything to do with this. This is supposed to be attic to attic. And, uh, and then when, we, when it came about that, hey, there's something going on in the Bay Area too, and let's send some people up to, uh, you know, they arranged this thing for Morro Bay. I had been invited to be one of the participants, but I didn't think I had enough time. I had about two years at that point. Um, but so uh, the guys from, from there were Terry M, Scott, and uh, uh, Terry M, Scott. Yeah, oh, and Mike P, the guy, the guy with the money with the fancy room. And, uh, and they went up there. And I remember when they came back, everybody was all excited, but really apprehensive. And when they came back, they were like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. But we got some bad news for you, George. And I was the treasurer in MSA. Um, we're going to unify, but you're getting traded to LA. Your meeting is going to be in LA. And I was really, really disappointed because I really loved Orange County. My heart is still in Orange County. For, for or that early recovery stuff. And uh, so, but I, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. And I was the GSR of that Sunday night meeting, the original meeting that I had started and went up there uh, about, a, about um, here's, here's what an MSA chip looked like. And um, back in those days, uh, well, I went, to, I went to an OA meeting one time, it didn't take. But I went to this OA meeting, and the one thing I, I got out of OA was uh, I saw a newsletter sitting there. And I picked it up, and I read it, and I thought, how come we don't have something like this? And so uh, I went back to our inner group. It was called inner group back then. And, um, and I said, hey, you know, if I can find somebody with some type of computer skills, um, can we do something like this? And they're like, eh, maybe. You know, uh, if you can put some together, we'll pay for a hundred copies to be printed. And um, and this is what the first one looked like. It was called the message, and we figured that if you had one in your hand, you were carrying the message. But nobody else liked that name, so it got changed within a month. And the second copy had a new leaf, and I believe we had a contest or something for it. And uh, that first copy had had some birthdays on the front. It had a, an introduction. It had a helpline with some people's names and numbers on there. It had, I think, one article in it. It had some updates from World Services. And on the back page, it had all the meetings in California, which at that time was 28 meetings. And, um, uh, and so it was basically just there. And then more and more people started picking it up and it became bigger and bigger. And then it be, it just kind of, we had a, we had a, a world service newsletter that got dropped and, and it would be inserted into the information and that, and that just became, that just kept growing and growing and becoming, you know, a bigger and bigger thing. And, um, uh, you know, there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of apprehension amongst groups after the, uh, the Morrow Bay Conference. And one of the things I remember was we had settled on there would be nine trustees. There would be three from here, three from here, and three from here because nobody wanted to be outnumbered. They, everybody was very protective of what they had. And it took a number of years before people finally went, you know, does it really matter where they come from? We finally realized we were all one. But for, for five or six years, it seems like to me, it was three from the Bay Area, three from Orange County, three from LA. And uh, I remember at- Okay, thanks, John. I remember that at the um, uh, one, one of the first conferences, this, I believe it was the, the third conference. If you count Morro Bay as the first, it was number three and it was in Oakland. And uh, 
we were there. Two of the trustees wanted to, this shows how different things are now from then. Two of the trustees, uh, Kathy here, and, uh, and by here, I don't mean right over there in the other room, but Kathy from down here, she uh, uh, and, uh, and somebody from the Bay Area both wanted to step down and Kathy was gonna become the office manager. And so there wasn't an election held. They basically said that the nine original trustees said, who's willing to do the job? And both Nina and I were willing to do it. And so they took us in a room, interviewed us, and said, okay, you get the job. We, and, and the other two quit. Now it's, you know, you got the group conscience. Everybody wants to do it and everything. And if I recall, Nina wasn't even a delegate. She was there as a member. And, and she went straight from that into being a great trustee. So good for her. <laughs> and, uh, 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 you know, so I don't know, you know, there's a lot of stories from those days. I can't tell you that stuff taught me so much. That service during those, those early days, it was exciting. The, the people we were working with, it wasn't always easy. Sometimes it was really hard. Sometimes you wondered why people were arguing over the silliest, stupidest things. Um, but we worked it out and we got it done. And, and like Kathy said about Carol, you know, and, and the literature committees that Carol put together were just incredible as and all of the work that went in to the principles, you know, and all the work that went in to, to life with hope. An ending story, you know, at one point for the first convention, we wanted to put together some merchandise for that first convention. And uh, so I contacted this guy, Mike P, he had a printing shop and we came, you know, we used the logo and we were just sitting around and we're going, so what should we put on this coffee mug? What should we put on these t-shirts as a logo? And we came up with life with hope. It was just supposed to be on merchandise. Years later, it shows up on the big book. We had nothing to do with that. And, uh, but it was like, it was really touching that that had struck a chord and stayed with people. You know, so it was the littlest things that people could do in service that made a big difference, you know, and, and none of it was, I don't believe any of us did it on our own. We all did it with the help of others. A lot of people that aren't around any longer, some that have passed, some who knows where they are. And uh, a lot of, a lot of people that have just moved on in life, you know, they're not coming to the meetings, but they're, they, they, they've moved on with their life and they're healthy and they're happy. And that's a great thing. That's what the promises you know, guarantee us, you know, and uh, so I'm, I'm really honored to be here, surprised. Thank you for including us. I wish New York all the luck back there. You know, this is a great way to raise money. I hope we can do more of these. Um, you know, the last count I saw was close to like 190 people were on here. That's amazing. It's amazing. That first meeting, 20 people. So thank you so much for letting me share. Okay, Barry, marijuana addict. Um, I am beyond, I, I, I'm, I'm goosebumps. I really am. Um, in 1987, uh, one day ago, 33 years ago, I got sober. Uh, so I celebrated my 33rd anniversary yesterday. And to be in this right now is, is just so absolutely spectacular to me. Um, I just want to say, I was in the psychologist's office meetings as it's described in Life with Hope. Um, and I think I was at the third or fourth uh, meeting ever. And uh, then we, we had to move to a bigger space. And I remember hearing that there might've been a meeting in Orange County and one person was sitting there waiting for somebody to show up, which I thought, what a crazy person and how great that is. And then we heard maybe something in the Valley, maybe something in the Bay Area, maybe a New York meeting, and maybe one meeting in all of Europe. And we were trying to reach out into the world and, and find out who else was going through this experience at exactly the same time. So now look at it <laughs> and the number of people here and the meetings on Zoom, you know, there, there's, there's an insane number of, of, uh, of meetings now and it, it warms my heart. Uh, I, I, I'm so excited because I'm in New Jersey that the, hopefully the convention will happen in New York. 
Uh, and if not, uh, just being a part of this organization in any way is really an honor. And uh, I'm just happy to have shared. And I can't believe you called on me. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for everybody's service. Hi, thank you. Thank you for calling me. I'm sitting here trying not to cry. Uh, hello, Harry. Hello, George. You know, I haven't been in touch with you guys for 30 years, but I still have an MA and I'm still clean and I'm on the board of trustees again. You know, I, I live my life and I went to MA every, every week and um, now I'm retired and I have more time to give back. But you know, I, I don't have a very good memory. I guess I smoked too much pot in my time, but it's all coming back now hearing you guys talk. Um, and I just, you know, I, um, I went to, I don't know what year it was. I think it was 91, maybe it was 90. I guess George or Harry would know, but I, I went to one of the early conferences and um, that was back when we stayed at people's houses. I think it was in Orange County, I don't know. Anyway, it's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to um, think back to those years. And um, I, I know every, every, every cloud has a silver lining and this whole pandemic has brought this whole Zoom thing out and it's just wonderful. So um, I won't say anything more. I just really wanted to reach out and say hi to those, those guys I knew a long time ago. I, I don't know if Az is here. Um, I saw him at the, at, at the LA convention though in February before we were all locked down. So thanks a lot. This is wonderful. I am a newcomer and oh my God, I can't even fathom talking to like 167 people right now, but um, I felt very compelled to raise my hand after Kathy said that um, newcomers are like the lifeblood lifeline of this program, which still blows my mind. It blows my mind to this day. Um, and I think it's something that I'm going to learn over time, um, but uh, the people like, John, Mariska, Kevin, people that have paved the way for this program has like allowed for people like me to have my life change in, in my life. And I'm on day 33 right now and my life has completely changed. Um, the people that have been brought into my life have changed my life for the better through this program. Um, I have like, they have shown me things and have shown me things about myself and things about the world and just different perspectives that have given me opportunities that I just can't even express to you how thankful I am for. Um, this is such a beautiful program and the people I've met have just been so loving and caring and I'm so thankful to be a part of District 8 too and I'm so excited to provide service and learn more and learn more from so many people. I just feel so humbled and I just, today was a hard day in my head and this has like uplifted me in ways that I just, I'm speechless right now. And it's like also extremely humbling to even be talking in front of a bunch of people who have years under their belt and it's inspiring. It makes me never wanna pick up anything ever again. And it's like such an energetic and revitalizing feeling. So thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm meant to be here and I'm meant to be a part of this program and everyone here is an inspiration. So thank you. I'm from District 8, very proudly. Um, oh my gosh. I mean, I just, I've had so many goosebumps, so many mirror tear moments. I mean, uh, to be recognizing so many faces and names from outside of my district because of these Zoom meetings. I mean, I mean, to all the trailblazers, I mean, I don't think thank you is a big enough word. Um, you know, it's, it's just when I had a really tough weekend last year and it was an MA meeting that I craved. And, you know, just the, the fellows I've met in this program, I mean, they've changed my life. They keep me sober. Um, I mean, it's just like the, the serenity and, you know, I, I'm, I'm speechless right now. I truly am. Um, when everything happened, uh, with COVID and we're frantically figuring out zoom and scheduling out all of the meetings for all of the districts, figuring out all of the emails for all of the co-chairs, setting up this zoom workshop to teach everyone what was going on. You know, we had no idea what we were doing. We were just we were like, think of the newcomer, think of the newcomer. And that's all, that's the only thought that we had. 
And I had no idea that I would meet my sponsee <laughs> from another state. I mean, and to you know watch her get sober and count days in, in, in quarantine. I mean, it's just such a blessing. I'm just so, I feel so, so lucky. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I think I'm rambling, you know, it's just to be able to go to meetings in Toronto, to go to the queer meeting there, a special shout out to everyone there because we just kicked off our first queer meeting in District 8. And, you know, we took notes from that meeting and then we brought it there and we had our first meeting last week. And it's just, you know, to be able to, I, I, like I qualified in double, like it's just, <laughs> it's so insane. Um, so anyway, I have so much love to everyone in this room and, you know, I'm just so proud of us. So thank you all for listening and thank you everyone in this room for all the service you do. You know, you're the reason why the, this happens and why we all stay sober. So thank you. Uh, hi everybody. I, uh, I went to a MA meeting 20 years ago. Um, and since then I can now say I'm a grateful recovering marijuana addict. Um, I, I, it took me a long time to find my way back to MAA. It took many, many, many years of, of research and, and trying to tackle this disease on my own. Uh, but one night it was Easter and I remembered that uh, MA existed and I realized I would never get sober in my life. And uh, when I realized that I would never be able to go anywhere in my life and do anything with my life, I, I remembered that there was this wonderful fellowship that showed me a lot of love and opened their hand, arms to me uh, back when I was living in Chicago. And I was sitting uh, in Europe and I was thinking, I wonder if I can get connected to them. And sure enough, they were online and they were sitting around in a chat room with meetings starting in a few minutes. And uh, that's where I met Maurice and some wonderful people that uh, held my hand and took me on an amazing ride. And uh, in two days, I'm coming up on 1,000 days free uh, from marijuana, and it's all because of Marijuana Anonymous. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, I started the first in, uh, German-speaking meeting, uh, it, well, in German-speaking Europe, uh, in Austria. And uh, we meet on Saturdays and now we're on Zoom. So we have gotten connected to some of you wonderful people that have dropped in. If anybody's ever up in the middle of the night and wants to qualify at a Saturday meeting in Austria, you know, do send me an email uh, and, and, and you are more than welcome to come and hang out. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, attend my first convention. And, you know, I just wanna thank the people who got this program started. Because without you guys, I, I know I would still be, be sitting in front of my computer, uh, um, smoking my brains out. And uh, thanks to you guys, I, I'm, I, got a, I got a fiance, I've got two cats, and I've got a life that I love and I love myself. So thank you guys for making that possible. Uh, hi everybody, my name's Mike C. Uh, in my more humble days, I used to identify as the addict ex-lover of Mary Jane. <laughs> um, thank you, New York, for putting this on. Um, I got clean and sober in District 5, Orange County. Uh, I was in that treatment, that, I was in treatment at that Sister Elizabeth building that George referred to. And uh, my first meeting was that Monday MA meeting he also referred to. Yeah, uh, and that was a couple of months before the MA conference of 93. So Orange County had the conference in 93. Uh, still in treatment at five months. In September of 93, I met Kathy C at the time. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> uh, Kathy B now. And it was at her house where District 6 had their service committee meeting. And uh, I also met George B. Sup, George? Uh, Bill D, Patricia W, and others including uh, our beloved uh, mother and May, uh, Carol McDee. Uh, may she rest in peace. Uh, I would pick up the new leaves and bring them down to Orange County and I did that for years. And the next week I started uh, uh, attending District 7 meetings at St. Bede's. Uh, that was the district I actually lived in. Um, 
as they introduced me to John L. at the MA conference of 94, John. And uh, 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 I, was, I was also a delegate from Orange County at that Seattle conference uh, back in the 90s. Uh, I attended meetings in all three districts and needed all of that fellowship. And by the grace of God, good sponsorship and mentors, the 12 steps, I've strung together 9,915 days. I owe a tremendous thanks and a debt of gratitude to those who have gone before, those who have followed. I got high, we recover. Good evening. Um, welcome. 30 years ago, when you guys were starting this off, I was just beginning um, a 30 year addiction to marijuana. Um, and then I came into the rooms and I thought, I'll give this six months and get myself cleaned up and that will do me. Quickly discovered that service was the, the secret to staying clean. And here you are, you guys are doing service 30 years on from, from founding this, this, uh, this group is unbelievable. I can't believe it's, it's, it's gone on for so long. It was needed and Wow, it's expanded. It is all around the world. Uh, there are new groups opening up as we speak. A friend of mine just moved from London to Israel, started his meeting there because there was no meeting for him. And that, that's the beauty of this. It can spread everywhere and it can help people everywhere. I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart because without this program, I would still be lost in a world of, of drug abuse. Um, and it's cleaned me up. It's changed me. I'm not the person I was three years ago before I walked into the room. And I have only, only this fellowship to thank for that. Because every time, as, as you've probably all said before, and many, everyone has said in the meeting, every time we try on our own, we fail, we mess up. And it was coming to a fellowship, discovering 12 steps and, and working those 12 steps that, that, that saved me and got me clean. I didn't know this existed until three years ago, until my wife put it in front of me and said, look, there's Marijuana Anonymous. We all knew about AA, but still 30 years on, I didn't know, I didn't know MA existed. I have the honour of being um, a delegate. I'll be coming to my first conference this year for, for District 14. Thank you from the bottom of my heart.